Hello, and welcome to the Sapona Road Church Podcast. Today is a great day. It's the day that the Lord has made, and we are excited that you've taken time to join with us as we hear from God's Word. We exist as a church to spread the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We hope that today's message encourages and blesses you and helps you to grow and mature in your walk and relationship with Him. The Word of the Lord is powerful and life-changing, so let's see our lives transformed as we listen to today's message. Today I'm going to be speaking on a well-known story in the Bible. It's in Luke chapter 10. I believe Brian's going to have it on the screen. If not, you can turn there. Uh, We're going to be starting with verse 25. Everyone looks good this morning. Okay. There we go. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? The term lawyer here in this verse, uh, he's a scribe or a student of the Mosaic Law, and he knew the law and would have, would have been considered an expert. We're going to see that he's a little bit more tenacious. We also see he's trying to test Jesus. We know that Jesus is going to answer the question, and when he says, teacher, I imagine that he's looking down his nose at him like they didn't really respect him, uh, really just trying to make fun of him. In verse 26, Jesus said to him, What is written in the law, and what is your reading of it? And when Jesus gives him this answer, you can recall some other interactions that Jesus has had with the locals. Um, He doesn't doesn't just kind of answer it. He answers it to me with a little hint of sarcasm, a a little bit of like, you know better. As you remember, what is it in Mark, when when the paralytic is brought before Jesus, and the scribes are there, and he says, which is easier for me to say, take up your bed and walk where your sins are forgiven? And in fact, Jesus does both, and the scribes are sitting there rolling over in their skin. But what does the youth call it today? A clapback? Is that what it is? A clapback. So verse 27 says, And the lawyer answered and said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. Verse 26, and Jesus said to him, you have answered rightly, do this and you will live. But the lawyer speaking, wanting to justify himself, goes again and he says, and who is my neighbor? The religious scholars of that time loved to talk about social topics without really wanting to try to solve any of them. They just, it was a concept. Love was a concept that they just wanted to study. Uh, You can pretty much turn the TV on today and hear a bunch of people talking about something that they don't really want to solve. And so this lawyer, he's one of those people that like keeps digging, keeps asking questions. It's like the person that asks when you're going to have Sunday night services, but then when you start having them, don't show up. So <laughs> that's how that's my uh, interpretation of this this lawyer. Here the lawyer is being cynical too. He's asking questions and he's trying to get Jesus into a corner. But him being a lawyer and an expert, he knew yet again the answer to the question. And he just knew that, in his mind, fellow Jews were his neighbor. Y'all know anyone like that, that whenever they're wrong, they just keep digging themselves a hole? 
they don't care that they're wrong. They just want to keep on making a fool of themselves. So he keeps on. And Jesus knows how to handle this question. So in verse 30, he starts with this parable. And Jesus answered and said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance a certain priest came down from the road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and looked and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. So he went to him, bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, and set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, took care of him. And on the next day, when he departed, he took out two denarii, gave it to the innkeeper, and said to him, Take care of him. And whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. So which of these three do you think was the neighbor to him who fell among thieves? And he said, Who who showed mercy on him? Then Jesus said, Go and do likewise. See, the usual trio in such a story would have been a priest, a Levite, and a Jew. And that sounds like the beginning of a good joke. But when Jesus substituted the Jew for the Samaritan, he forced the, the teacher to have this mental shift of what he was thinking, and the people around him also had this mental shift of the, the thought of a Samaritan being kind was just intolerable in these days. The Samaritan and the Jew conflict boils down to when they went into captivity, there was a northern kingdom and a southern kingdom, and the southern kingdom stayed pure, and the northern kingdom started to intermarry. And so when they came back together, these Samaritans were considered half-breeds, or that's what they would call them, back in the day. But let's take a look at what just happened. So it says, a certain man, in this instance we're going to say a certain woman, was coming from Jerusalem. She's starting in Jerusalem. She's going to Jericho. And it says that she's traveling down this road. She falls among thieves. These thieves stripped her of her clothing, wounded her, and departing, leaving her half dead and laughing. <laughs> the road to Jerusalem, from Jerusalem to Jericho, it says it was about 17 miles long, and the people listening to Jesus and this teacher, this scholar, would have known about how treacherous this road was. The road had a name for itself. It was called uh, the Road of Blood. It was real narrow, 17 miles long. I don't know 17 miles. I mean, maybe from here to what, Hope Mills? How far is your house? Yeah. Anyways, it ain't that far. Good little stretch of highway, but it's real narrow. Like some, uh, I imagine the Grand Canyon. I've never been there, but I imagine it's real narrow. Um, so we see the traveler was injured, left for dead, and there may be help. So it says in verse 31, it says, Now by chance... A priest came down that road, and when he saw him, he passed on the other side. Some of you, the priests, I'm coming down this road, and I see him, and I just, I don't even go over to him. I'm like, ah, okay, I'm going to keep, keep going on about my way. I'm not going to mess with him. M maybe she's dead. I don't even want to bother with it. We're going to give a benefit of doubt in a minute. The traveler, if she wasn't half dead and she saw the priest coming, 
she would have had a little bit of sigh of relief because she sees a priest and she knows that the priests know what it said in Exodus about if you see your enemy in trouble, help them. If you see their, their donkey in trouble, help them. The priest may have been heading to the temple and had the traveler been dead, the priest would have been uh, ceremonial unclean for seven days if the priest would have touched him. But the priest didn't even, didn't even bother with it. In today's society, um, the priest may have even like took a picture, took out their phone and said, traveler dead on the road of blood, be careful out there, right? With the watch out Cumberland County, might not have even uh, had said that. But it says 32, it says, likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and looked and passed by the other side. So I imagine it's like, here's the Levite, comes by, sees him, gets a little closer and goes, mm, I don't want to mess with that. That seems like too much work today, right? Mess with, yeah, I don't want to mess up my suit. <laughs> it's heartbreaking that the Levite would just keep going. And the Levite, like the priest, would have knew the law and should have helped because all priests were Levites, but not all Levites were priests. But he would have had knowledge just like the, the priests earlier. It says both of the priest and the Levite demonstrate that religious work does not make someone a true servant of God. What's really sad is that he went up to him and decided, I don't want no part in this. He passed by the other side. In today's society, like the, the priest, the, the Levite might have took a picture. He might have reposted the priest. You know, they might have followed each other because he wanted to be like them maybe one day. He might have reshared it and said, hey, be careful out there. There's a uh, half-dead person on the road to blood. Stay safe. Between the priest and the Levite, it reminds me when you're uh, traveling on a back road somewhere, one of them parking roads, and you either run out of gas or your battery dies, your cell phone's dead, and you see these cars coming, and it's like, okay, well, maybe if they stop and help me, I'll be okay. But they don't even slow down. They know it's a stretchy little back road, so they just they leave them half dead laying there. And it's like, maybe someone else will get it. But we see in verse 33, it says, But then a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, saw him, and had compassion. So he went to him and bandaged his wounds. I'm going to be the Samaritan, too. You good? All right, come on. Where were you going? Oh, you was going this way? Okay, I'm going this way too. Let's go. Let's go. Get you over here on my, on my donkey. Hold on. Let me get you this seat. This is my donkey. I'm going to let you ride on my donkey because, you know, you're half dead. Here, hold this for a second. So it says that... Uh, they stripped him of the clothing, right? So here we're gonna we're gonna give our our journal some of our clothing because you know you don't want to just be traveling with someone that's naked. But it also says it also says that they were they were wounded. So I've got Bath and Body Works. I didn't have no oil and wine, and I don't think Valerie would appreciate that. So you know we're gonna spray that, rub that in. But also, there's no Cape for Valley, there's no CVS. And so here, I want you to cut this right here. 
So they say that he bandaged them. And so if you know, if you ever watch Gunsmoke, it's a good show. If you haven't watched it, you should. Um, a lot of times, oh, that's my skin. <laughs> a lot of times they had handkerchiefs and such like that. But uh, they would take a piece of their clothing, right? Because everybody's got shirts that they can just have an expenditure on. Okay. So here we go. Oh. They beat you up pretty bad. I might need you to make one for me. I got a cut on this arm. <laughs> so it said they took out oil and wine. Uh, from what I understand, the oil was to loosen the skin and the wine was my antiseptic spray. I've been trying to get rid of this tie anyway. And so we're just going to bandage her up. And it says, got them all bandaged up, got the oil and the wine on them, and so we're not done traveling. You're still on the donkey, but you got to walk because I can't scoot that chair. <laughs> okay. We're going to come over here. There's an inn. Just sit right here. So they go to the inn, and it says that they took out two denarii. I'm not going to give it to that lady because she's already been robbed. But uh, So we dropped the money. And it says that he told the innkeeper, he says, take care of my traveler. Uh, I was coming down the road of blood, and these two thugs beat her up, stripped her of her clothing, and left her for half dead. I've done the best I can do. Take care of her, and whatever else you spend, I'll take care of it when I come back. So we see that it's already cost the Samaritan half his clothing, some of his money, probably oil and wine. He might have been cooking with it, drinking it later. Who knows? But um, it's costing him something, right? It's the other, you got the priest and the Levite who, in my mind, when you read that story, you think they would have stopped. As you're reading the story, if you've never read it before, you would not think that those two would have passed him up. Verse 37, it says, Jesus said, He who showed mercy on him, go and do likewise. The Samaritan in today's world, as I related to the other two, could have took pics, took a selfie, right? Me and my uh, traveler over there. Posted it later on the inn's Wi-Fi, because he stayed the night, because the next morning he told him to take care of him. And said, such an honor to save a life today on the road of blood. Ruined my favorite shirt, but I'm just out here doing the Lord's work. Instead, he did it just because. Matthew 6, 1 says, Take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward for your Father in heaven. Proverbs 14, 21 says, He who despises his neighbor sins, but he who has mercy on the poor, happy is he. See, the priest, the Levite, and the Samaritan all noticed the man, but only one saw him with eyes of compassion. Compassion is not something that comes with the religion, but only comes through a genuine relationship with God and understanding the depth of God's love. There's a story of a businessman, and him and his wife were busy to the point of exhaustion. They were committed to each other and their family and their church and their work and their friends, and they both needed a break. They escaped for a few days in relaxation at an oceanfront hotel. One night, a violent storm lashed the beach and sent massive breakers thundering against the shore. 
The man lay in his bed listening and thinking about how stormy his own life was, never-ending and demand and pressures. The wind finally died down, and shortly before daybreak, the man slipped out the bed, took a walk along the beach to see the damage that had been done. As he strolled, he saw that the beach was covered in starfish that had been thrown ashore and helplessly stranded by the great waves. Once the morning sun burned through the clouds, the starfish would dry out and die. Suddenly, the man saw an interesting sight, a young boy who had also noticed a plight of the starfish and was picking them up one at a time and flinging them back in the ocean. Why are you doing that, the man asked as he got close to the lad. He said, you can't, can't you see that one person won't be able to make a difference? You'll never be able to get all those starfish back in the water. There's just too many. Yes, that's true, the boy said as he bent down and picked up yet another and tossed it back in the water. Then as he watched it sink, he looked at the man and smiled and said, but it sure made a difference to that one. In closing, uh, some of you have heard this story before. Some of you have not. Most of you have not. But about 16 years ago, I was at a previous church when me and my grandmother went to. Uh, I'd went there since I was a boy. And on the weekends, I would cut grass. And it was just something I enjoyed. Something about cutting a big field that uh, you got time alone. I saw a, a show, it was like I, somebody wanted a long time because they said that's when nobody would talk to them. And if you know me, I can talk a lot. Um, but I was cutting grass for every weekend for I don't know how many years. But I happened to see this couple walk by. They walked by one weekend, they walked by another weekend, they walked by another weekend, and there's this big, big field that I would, it'd take like a couple hours to cut. Um, I was never close enough to them to actually like stop and talk to them. One weekend I was close enough and I stopped them. And uh, I said, hey, I see y'all walking by here every week. Have y'all ever, do y'all go to a church or any church that you go to? And they said, no. They're, so they're Jamaican, their voices are Jamaican. They said, no, we never go uh, to a church. They, they said, uh, we're actually looking for a church, brother. And I said, I said, okay. I said, well, hey, I said, you know, we would love to have you here. And I've invited many people over my life to church. And I think they might have been the first ones that ever showed up because the next Sunday, because I was cutting grass on Saturday, they showed up. And I was like, okay, this is cool. You know, I feel like I'm a good Christian now. I finally got somebody to come to church. And so they show up, they get to talking to people and come to find out they're Jamaican missionaries which was really cool, because Jamaican people were just cool in general. Um, that's, um, so as it happens, they, they continue to come for, for years. Um, and it was like they came, they came. They were in the in country, I guess, because wherever they were at as missionaries were having trouble. And so they continued to serve even after I had left. Um, but re re rewind to back to like 2009 or so, my mother had been in a four-wheeler accident and she had had to be airlifted to Chapel Hill to stage four ICU. And so she got stepped down and a couple months later, she ends up coming to church because she wanted to be with her son church on a Sunday, but only the next day to pass away. And so through all this, I... I was going through the what ifs, right? Like, what if I would have done this? What if I had done that? Because at a young age, my mother had encountered a priest and a Levite. 
she had encountered someone who maybe she thought was going to help, but actually made things worse. So for all my life, she would come to church for Christmas and Easter plays, things like that. So Sunday, it was good to see her at church. The next few days, you know, you're, you're planning services and things like that. And it's just like, what could I have done? What could I have done any different? And then that Wednesday night, Sister Sarah, it was Sister Sarah and Brother Frank that come up to me. And come to find out, Sunday, Sister Sarah was preaching. And she comes up to me Wednesday. She goes, Brother Jonathan, I do not know that was your mother. She said, Sunday, she came and gave her heart to the Lord. And if I could give my sleeve to have that happen every time I ever invited someone to church, I'd give both sleeves. I was going to cut this one off, but I decided not to. Valerie cut me. <laughs> but they still serve there. I had no intentions of that being the outcome of just talking to someone just because. I stopped there to talk to them to, to get someone to come to church, right? That's what we're supposed to do. Not knowing that, what, years later, she would be the one to preach on the Sunday morning to, to have my mother go down to the altar. Um, we all have our loved ones that we want to be saved. And we all think that either we can do it or it's going to have to be the great Billy Graham or someone like that, but it could be us through our genuine acts of being deliberate to other people. Amen? We have uh, these cards here. I'll show them to you. These cards we did years ago, they're called Just Because Cards. And that's the title for today was Just Because. It says, you experienced a random act of kindness just because. You can give these cards out. It's up to you. There's some in the back, and we have more. But they're not to try to get someone to come here. You don't even have to give them out. But it's if you have it in your car, you have it in your wallet, it's a great reminder to just do something just because. We uh, On Wednesday nights, Brian's been doing a good job. We've been doing Francis Chan, and he had a, a saying that he, that he asked us, and he challenged, it's the men in there. And he says, because they know it's a week-after-week study, he says, okay, you've been coming here for a couple weeks. What have you been doing with what you've learned? And so he said, is, are you like you're on a team and you're just sitting on the bench or are you playing in the game? Sometimes we have to be intentional. It's the simple things that we don't know that will have the greatest effect. Amen? So this week, if you want to, just remember, do something just because. We never know what it will be. We never know who it will affect in our lives. Um, there was an old radio commercial that said, our job is to catch the fish and let Jesus clean them. Amen. I've told this story or that story before, and I never, I never intend to tell it um, for anyone to to feel bad for me. Uh, matter of fact, next week my mother will celebrate 12 years in heaven, and so I wouldn't give anything for her to be back here. I mean, she's missed a lot, but. Uh, she gained a lot. Amen? So. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this word today. We thank you for your parables and in your word, Lord, to open our hearts and our minds to realize that 
it's not the things that we always see, but the things that we don't see, Lord, that change the hearts and lives of others. Lord, we ask that as we go about this week, Lord, that you will, you will pull at our hearts, Lord, to show us a way to someone that may need a just because. Lord, we, we're so thankful for your grace and your mercy on us every day and what you show on others. Lord, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. We are so happy that you joined us today. If you are interested in learning about or giving to this ministry, you can find more information at saponaroadchurch.com. If you are local to the Fayetteville, North Carolina area, our meeting times are 1045 a.m. Sunday mornings and 7 o'clock p.m. Wednesdays for our connect groups. From all of us here at Sapona Road Church, we hope that you have a great day as you walk in the Lord's favor and blessing.